The Queen's Grace, as you call her, said the prince sternly, is dead. I killed her myself. What? cried the gnome, opening its ridiculous mouth wider and wider in astonishment. Dead? The witch dead? And by your honor's hand, it gave a huge sigh of relief and added, Why then, your honor is a friend. Speak, friend, and enter, Chase, and welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we're doing a chapter, friend, you did it, Uh, where we're doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Kel. I'm Chase. And thank you for joining us. Just a reminder that today we are talking about the sixth book in the series. You may think that we were done because all the action stopped, but no, we are in fact still talking about the sixth book in the series, The Silver Chair. The general spoiler warning. Ten chapters. It feels like it. Uh, but general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as a heads up that we will go on to tangents into other stories and parts of co- like pop culture and you know pieces of fiction that we do enjoy. Uh, we'll do our best to give spoiler warnings if anything's too egregious. But today we are discussing chapter 13 of the Silver Chair, Underland, without the queen. No queen? No queen. Really no do. witch. Also, well, really find- barely comes up. Like, and- she's not... A, like looming fact like i guess yeah whatever we'll get into it we'll get into it but chase what we can get into is a summary i would love to get into that summary uh kel ding dong the witch is dead oh well, uh, you didn't even let me say who's there ah uh, ding dong who's there no one because the witch is dead ah uh, the kgb yeah, waits for no one <laughs> okay so now that the witch was dead, as we've as we beat to death, um, they could all take a breather because that's what we need written down in literature: a breather. They patched up Puddleglum's burnt foot and then all sat down to discuss their plans. Rillian explained that there are a lot of ways to get out of Underland, but he'd never been out alone, and you have to cross the Sunless Sea. There's no telling what the Earthmen would do if he tried to leave by himself. On the other hand, the new outlet, the one for their invasion of the Overland, was on this side of the sea and only a few miles away. They talked about their options, but then they heard a noise coming from the outside. They looked out the window, and the first thing they noticed was a red glow coming from one side of the city. They also saw that the closely packed, silent crowds of Earthmen were gone, replaced by little groups darting from building to building. On top of that, it seemed that the waters of the sea were moving and rising. Uh, They decided that the witch must have set some spells into effect when she died. They agreed to ride out and saw a mob of Earthmen moving like an army. Rillian refused to put back on the former armor uh, of the witch, but he took his shield that had now turned silver with a red lion, showing that Aslan is on their side. Uh, They unlocked the door, went down into the house with their guard up, the first Earthmen they came across ran away from them, uh, so they went to the stables, saddled up horses, and rode out into the streets. They saw the water already rising up against the houses, and a large Earthman with tusks and a sword, followed by six others. They rode towards the red light, with Rillian leading them. They heard fireworks in the distance. Everywhere they went, they saw Earthmen darting in the shadows, moving like military insurgents. Every now and then, a group of them would get too big or draw too near for comfort. They got nearer to the light and almost level with it and couldn't quite see what it was, but they could see the thousands of Earthmen also moving towards the light, too. 
They figured the Earthmen were trying to cut them off, and Rillian and Jill rode ahead while Puddleglum slipped off the horse to try to catch one in the shadows. He was successful, uh, because apparently Puddleglum is, uh, is being played by... Uh, I can't even think of the actor's name right now. He's being Insert played by rodeo Kate, name he's here. being played by Liam Neeson. That's where I'm at. I it is early in the morning. It's really not, but here we are, rambling. Um Puddle Glum caught a little gnome. When they finally let the gnome talk, it cried out, I didn't do whatever you're accusing me of, and begging them not to uh tell the queen anything that he says, asking to let him go. Rillian said, the queen is dead by his hand, and the gnome replied, well, that means we're friends, not foes, and he began to laugh maniacally. That's it. Yeah, that's encouraging, you know? Love when people laugh What else can you do when you find out that your ruler is dead? What else can you do? Um, You know, if if you're the British monarchy, you grieve for like eight weeks, I think. No grieving. You, you know, really, really postpone making Charles the new monarch. Uh, why, you would hope we, why would we ever want to speed that up? You hope that... I've seen the he crown, just, he sucks. Man, he does suck. Unless you watch the recent season and then they're like, oh crap, he's going to be our king. We really need to make him look better. Yeah, I mean, the bummer of the most recent season of the crown was that, and spoiler for the crown... Prince Philip, which is, is history. Uh, yeah, spoiler for British history. Prince Philip like comes through looking great compared to his previous seasons, and he's not alive to appreciate that they didn't do him dirty through the whole thing. Hey, um, as long as long as like in the next season, and we can get back to the actual book because that'll yeah. take a, you know at least a minute or two. Uh, we'll get back there in a second. But, you know, as, li- as long as in the next season we see Prince Philip send out the hit on Princess Diana, that's all that I need. <laughs> that, I mean, I'm just picturing, uh, oh, who's the most recent actor for the Queen? He's the guy. Is it still who, Olivia Coleman, Or is that um, a former one? No, the Queen is uh, Umbridge. Um, is it? I yep. did not even She did really that. well. She did great. I'm, look. Across the board, all the actors in that show are great, but all of the actresses playing Queen Elizabeth are fantastic. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I can just picture her staring out a window and saying, do it, and then uh, a soldier <laughs> moves it. behind her. Execute order, Diana. <laughs> uh, sorry, Queen Elizabeth, RIP. Uh, but I guess we should actually talk about the thing, that our pod- the thing that our podcast is about. Chase, you know what we've been ta- we've been here for a while. I think the best thing that we could do is just take a breather. Yeah, I think we should take a break. Uh, maybe go through our closets a little bit and sort through some shirts. You know what makes really good content, both in podcasts and in reading, a breather. Yeah, people love silence. People just I, love a pause. People love useless things when they're investing their time into it, right? It's yeah. so we we talked about this. I'm almost positive. So we both it starts the chapter off. Basically they're like, oh cool, we killed the witch. Let's take a break real fast. Let's regroup and just, you know, not try to escape this place that, you know, we've been trapped in magically uh, as soon as possible. Let's make sure that, you know, we 
get some breaths in. Um, let's make sure we treat Puddle Glove's burnt foot. And Chase, I'm almost positive the only reason that Puddle Glove burnt his foot in the first place. It he didn't just like poke the log in the fire or like throw water on it or something that he actually burnt his foot is so that C.S. Lewis could show that he is hilarious um, and clever with, you know, with real dad joke puns because they're like, oh, we've got to make sure first business was treating Puddle Glum's burnt foot. And how do you put like, what do we have available to us? Well, a couple clean shirts from the prince's bedroom torn into strips and well greased on the inside with butter and salad oil off the supper table made a fairly good dressing. Chase, he's making a salad dressing pun. That's the whole reason. It it just tells me that he doesn't understand that he's writing a children's book still. Because what child is going to catch a salad dressing pun? And what parent is going to stop and be like, man, I really appreciated that he put something in here for me. Now listen here, young one. What this means is dressing refers to both the condiment and as well the wrapping of your foot in a medical sense. Ah, ah, yes, quite, quite. That's why it's clever. Man, glad we, uh, glad we got that one. Glad we spent time in this book on that. Well, you know, Chase, ultimately I'm glad he did that because at least now we have something else to talk about in the podcast because after this, they're like, okay, we should probably escape there's a few routes, but really in being really in is pretty useless. And he's like, I was never allowed to go out by myself. So can one of you hold my hand um, and we can walk through the streets of Underland together. Uh, we'll have to cross the Sunless Sea. And as they're making their plans, they're like, whoa, what's that noise, Chase? Crazy. They So, I mean, this is something that if you weren't paying attention four chapters ago, you might not know what's happening. But... As far as the world building part of this goes, sure. It yeah. originally one of the like plot points, one of the contextual points of this world is like it's eerily quiet, especially for how many people live in this underworld city. space. Yeah. It's a huge city packed with people all going doing their job, but no noise because it had no joy and no life in it. Um, and now for the first time they hear noise coming from outside. Uh, but it's kind of, it's kind of different. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get into what's actually the mood of the people of Underland because it's not clear to everyone what has happened yet. Right. But what we see is people are outside more or less what appears rioting, right? That there are, People, you know, running around going crazy. They're seeing light, which looks like fire. And so the assumption that our heroes make is, oh, man. And, of course, it's suggested by Puddle Glum, who's got, like, he's like, hey, I've had my heroic moment of faithfulness. Now I'm going to go back to being a cynic. Uh, and he goes, I'll tell you what it is. The witch has laid train, a magic, or a train of magic spells so that whenever she was killed at the same moment, her whole kingdom would fall to pieces. She's the sort that wouldn't so much mind dying if she knew that the chap who killed her was going to be burned or buried or drowned five minutes later, which is probably true. Yeah, I mean, they agree with him. The water does rise. It does kind of look like the city's on fire. He also suggests that maybe it's a volcano opening up to fill them with lava. Um, yeah. 
you know, any any of the above could be the case. We never really get a lot of clarity on what the actual reality of what's happening is. We just know no. things are happening. And um, and we'll get to that later because I do have a comment on the state of Underland. Particularly, we'll get to it, I think, in the next chapter. Uh, but the state of Underland, after they just leave. But uh, alas, they're like, hey, there's something crazy going on. We're going to need to be careful as we try to escape. Hey, Prince Rillian, would you mind putting on your armor? Yeah. And he's like, no. Yeah. No, I don't want to do that anymore. But then he picks up his shield that's magically changed colors because it's a mood shield, Cal. It's true. Yeah. And when you're when you're under magical depression, it's, you know, dark. And whenever it's you know, you've been magically cured, bang, it's the symbol of Aslan. Yeah, I mean, my mood shield is always either like a weird brownish color or like blue green. Never really those any are other colors. It's, those are very different. Those are yeah, that's a that's quite a shift. I don't know what it is. Every mood ring I've had, it's always just like like dark blue, blue green, or like just a weird non color. I'm just are like you telling me not helpful. Are you telling me that mood rings are bogus? I mean, you know, it turns out that your body heat can't really tell you that much about your your attitude. You're telling me that if I'm just a person who runs warm-blooded, that it could influence things without it just saying that I was actually intrigued or excited? Yeah, it means that you're a fun guy, and then someone like me must be calm, serene. Mm. <laughs> Which that I makes mean- sense. This is, uh, this is the reason why Puddle Glum holds it, and it's just like a dark, morose purple. Yeah, which, I mean, again, the real hero a, story. The real hero. But they, they're like, oh, man, this is actually great news, because the prince, the prince who, give him all of his things, he is a faithful Aslanite, which is great. Uh, I don't know if that's a proper term for the people who follow Aslan. but Yeah, the cult I, of Aslan. The cult of Aslan, uh, but he's like, "Hey, this is great. This means that you know Aslan's going to provide us, you know, uh, counsel and wisdom and and strength on our journey." Uh, oh, so yeah. well, what I meant by mood shield, the shield turned from black to silver with a red lion, the symbol of Aslan. If you've seen the Narnia movies, it turned into that. Yeah, uh, but they're they're like this, and then they again because C.S. Lewis, as opposed to just combining chapters, and he's like he's kind of forgetting where his place is. He's like, Oh man, I need to make sure that I insert a little, you know, subsection in here that makes sure that we know that Eustace and Jill are friends and that they're, they apologize to each other for, you know, being rude to each other. And the first it's, he's like, this is the first time they've, (laughs) the first time they've used their names, uh, you know, their Christian names. Sure. Because now they're Christians because Aslan's involved. Um, I, was confused here because I'm like, when were they rude to each other other than just like their general vibe? Or the, just the very beginning. Yeah, it's like they had never called each other Jill and Eustace before because that's not what people do at Experiment House. And it's, yeah. it's just like you've had now 13 chapters to develop the fact that like no they work well together they're friends they are a team they aren't they don't need to be like like sweet please and thank you with each other to like be friends 
And yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it, it's like a weird clunky moment in a chapter full of weird clunky moments. It, it also feels like a goodbye whenever they're not saying goodbye right now. Like, yeah, it feels like it should be like the last page where one of them decides to stay in Narnia for some reason, which is also not, I assume, how this book ends. No, they both end up book. back in Experiment House. Like, this is the the weird part of things, right? And <clears throat> this is we talked about this off pod. It's just this chapter should be combined with the next one at least, if not the next three. Uh, but you know, we would have been content with just combining the next two, like this in the next chapter, um, because it just feels like you're stretching things that don't need to be stretched because after this moment, they're like, Hey, let's go get the horses. You remember those horses that we rode out upon that y'all saw? Those are good horses. Yeah. Great horses. Well-bred. But before Great. we get the horses, we have to go and walk through the house with knives out, just in case. Knives out three, featuring Prince Rillian as Benoit Blanc. Yeah, this time it's even more meta. It's even more meta. I did see a so this time it happens at, in the metaverse, but the murder there, happens to the person who is in the metaverse. There was like a, a a comment towards Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig that was like, "Hey, Knives Out Three should include the Muppets," and they were like, "That's a great idea." And now all I want to see is Knives Out with the Muppets, where it's like, "Listen here, Frog. There's been a murder." Man, like, if the Muppets started a murder mystery series, I would absolutely watch that. It would that. be so good. That would be so fun. This and is it's always. It's always the, the red herring, obviously, is Swedish chef because he's both Swedish with herrings and the only one that has knives. And he's like, hur, 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 and always just running away. And then Kermit has to solve the problems. Yeah. That's Kermit. Yeah. Kermit would be the detective for sure. Miss Piggy would be the victim for sure. She's, she, no, she's the femme fatale for sure. The femme fatale who appears to be the victim then like midway through becomes a suspect and then turns out just to be there. And then it, it, every single time I forget like the, the name of him beaker. Is that the little tiny one? Uh, I think so with the little tuft of hair. Yeah. Where he just like, that's he's the murderer every time, but again, every single time. And they never come in the next episode. No, he's Moriarty. Uh, he's always the, he's the villain, but, they you know they're walking to the horses they're seeing fireworks in the sky that doesn't seem like a riot that's weird but they assume that they're just launching you know anything and everything they can uh and they make their way to the horses uh and man like real real unoriginal names for a black horse and a white horse they got coal black and snowflake or yeah they he really just went for what else is black what else is white and then just yeah, it just did it. He wasted all of his good naming on Puddleglum. So it uh, it is interesting, like the vibe of the city, like fireworks explosions happening in the background, like a yeah. weird murmur, but not seeing people except for like darting between buildings, and then like seeing people in the shadows, kind of seeming like they're moving in military formations. Like, yep. C.S. Lewis really leaned into, like, what if 
this is the anarchy of a dictator having been murdered. Right. It's weird to me that the people don't know the dictator's been murdered, but like C.S. Lewis, as someone who has spent time in a war zone, it actually is interesting to to see this be like the way, like someone who fought in in a war kind of import that into this scene of like what is the chaos like in a place that's being torn apart by like violence yeah it's a weird setting for children it is and and it it is but i appreciate it it's one of the things in the last few chapters that i do appreciate that he does is he doesn't just go immediately to like uh you know end of like episode six of star wars where it's you know hey let's cut to all the different planets and they're celebrating and like they're all playing music and it's great and you don't just cut to the gnomes like singing their gnome songs kind of thing like the ewoks you know uh it's they're absolutely not gonna give puddle glum a medal are they they're absolutely not no he and he's and he's gonna be he's just gonna go yeah that tracks i don't deserve it uh but i'll take my life over a medal yeah and but like with with this i think what he's doing is interesting because as we'll as we will discover at the end of this chapter and really into the next chapter is that there has been this enchantment over them and all they know is that this enchantment is broken and they're freaking out because they don't know that the enchantment is broken because their captor is you know the one that like that she died but they're just like crap something is going wrong we're like we shouldn't be here we know that things have been bad and so they're freaking out and you know launching fireworks they're trying to like rally the troops and because they're scared as we will discover next chapter more like they're forming into ranks because they're like hey we need to like defend ourselves potentially because we don't know what's going on uh and we see these from the points of view of our heroes kind of walking through going in like through town trying to make their way and they're seeing all the clamor and that like if you were in a dictatorship if you were under military dictatorship and all you like heard was just like, you know, war is over, but you didn't hear like, Hey, dictator X, Y, Z died or Hey, we won. What do you do? Like you probably have to like, or, or, or like if you're receiving these crazy orders, like you're going into chaos, right? Trying to make sure that you are going to be okay. And that like, and eventually these will turn into celebratory things, but not yet, you know, not right now. Cause all we know is they're, they're forming ranks in front of our heroes, cutting them off from advancing to where they need to go. Uh, and they're like, crap, what do we do? We're not sure what's happening. Oh, I know what we should do. Let's kidnap a gnome. Classic. It's what you always do. Um, and so, you know, Puddle Glum... First thought, best thought. Yeah. Uh, and, and Puddle Glum goes uh, real, like, rodeo style here. Yeah, he goes, like, black ops. Like, I'm going to just, like, sink into yeah. the shadows. It's, he, uh, he, just, he disappears like Jason Bourne and just, like, comes up, grabs a gnome as it's walking by. With his long, that, gangly that, arms. That glum over here, out here, cleaning up these streets. 
swear to me or don't because you know you could do whatever you want where's the queen <laughs> where is she where are the other drugs going uh but no he so he kidnaps this this gnome and gets him and the gnome is freaking out because obviously yeah. why wouldn't because he? he's being kidnapped <laughs> because he's being kidnapped Freaking uh, out as one should in that situation. <laughs> it's funny because he's trying to bite Puddle Glum and it like he's like like Puddle Glum's response is like if I had the silly soft hands that you humans have, I'd have been all over blood by now. Uh and then the prince is like, Hey, stop biting him. One more bite and you die. what in the world this just turned into like real rough hostage negotiations yeah they're it they're not great on the uh prisoner treatment front um it's it's tough because like our whole like track up to this point like previous chapters and now like these people have been working for the queen so they're the enemy they're the goblins or like like orcs or whatever you want to classify them as in this in this kind of story structure like they're the army of the bad guy and so our heroes are riding out trying to figure out how to escape and these are the enemies who are left over that they have to fight through or avoid or figure out what's happening from and and so like the logic from like a reader's perspective is like Oh yeah, sure. Like this is an enemy. He's trying to hurt Puddle Glum now that they've captured him, but it makes sense that they're against him and threatening him. And then the actual fun part of this chapter is that C.S. Lewis flips the script a little bit of like it becomes the end of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> it becomes, oh, the witch is dead. Um because, yeah, we learned that the gnome, they haven't realized the queen is dead yet. They just know, like, oh, well, here I am. I better get away. Please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Don't tell the queen what I've said. And really, and announces to him, like, the queen is dead by my hand. The gnome's like, oh, you're a friend then. And then he just starts laughing, which is, I, I guess. It's a reaction. Yeah. It is a reaction. It's it's understandable in a high stress situation where you think you're in danger, but it's also like uh, like oh, you're not stable. <laughs> we yeah. maybe shouldn't listen to you and your advice. Yeah, we, uh, have a chance to cool off. Right. It is. It's and again, C.S. Lewis rushes some things that don't need to be rushed. And then gives way too much length to things that don't need it. Where it's like this section, he just goes straight into like, hey, whatever you think I did, I didn't do. And they're like, what are you talking about, man? We're just, we're here to interrogate you. Like, we're, we're just trying to get information because we killed the queen. And he's like, oh, great. That's what all this is about. And then he laughs. And then the chapter ends. Yeah. This Another classic C.S. Lewis cliffhanger. On just like maniacal laugh, maniacal laugh, maniacal laugh. Right. This is he. He just ends, and then the next chapter is it's just a continuation of all this, right? Uh, the next chapter will be, hey, what's going on? And this guy will tell them everything going on. 
this chapter should have been, okay, we killed the queen. We need to hightail it out of here. Get everything we can. Let's go get the horses. Great. Oh, as we're like, we're on the horses, we're seeing chaos in the streets. Like what's going on? We should probably like, we need to pull someone aside and interrogate them. And then they, they get someone or they meet like, you know, one of the earthmen that was set aside and is like, oh my gosh, you killed the queen. Let's go tell the rest of the, of the earthland kind of thing. And then they figure out, oh, we've been enchanted for however many years. And now this is like, it's finally broken. It's crazy. We're all rioting because we don't know what's going on. We just know that the enchantment has been broken. Let's help you get out of here. One chapter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot of time spent on a lot of things. Who can say what's better, better or for worse? We can. But that is but, all that's you know, in this chapter. <laughs> but, like, not much actually happens in this chapter. And spoiler alert for the next podcast, not a lot happens there, too. Yeah. Which is why, dear listener, we do not have further up and further ends this week. <laughs> because we had to fill our time in this podcast with something. Yeah, we had to talk about something. And uh, we didn't have a lot of options. Because the, they literally, options. just as a recap, they bandaged, bandaged up Puddleglum's foot, yep. got horses, and rode up yep. a hill. That is what yep. happened in this chapter. Yep. The end. We, like, that's the reason why our, our talking points this chapter, or this podcast, were The Crown Season 5 potentials. They were Puddleglum's salad dressing joke. And they were the, like, rebellion or like a, a dictator you know military dictatorship ending kind of thing i was like what else do you want us to talk about like snowflake and coal black like you want us to talk about like fireworks in you know there's in the sky like course names literature like i'm not I mean, gonna do that google search i'm sorry i'll tell you like like these are not the worst horse names as we have discussed on this podcast no. That we've seen in but these again, books. Anything beats Fledge. Fledge. Strawberry. R.I.P. Strawberry. Long hashtag, dead at this point in history. Hashtag not my Fledge. Uh, <laughs> but Chase, that's all we have for this chapter. And I think it's only fitting that as you tell our listeners where they can find more of their podcasts, I'm just going to maniacally laugh in the background. Sounds just kidding, great. I won't do that because that would be obnoxious. Well, if you want to maniacally laugh, you can find this podcast wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you go. While you're there, leave us a rating and review. And uh, also be sure to follow us on Instagram at Chronicles of Podcasts. And uh, yeah, we will see you next time to talk about Chapter 14 of The Silver Chair. Ha ha ha. No matter what any no matter what they say, Chase, you know that I'm proud of you. And they do say so much. It really hurts that's, my feelings sometimes. That's, that's one of my that's one of my favorite like backhanded compliment structures. I love doing that to students who are like, hey, no matter what anyone else says, man, I think you're wonderful. <laughs>